Hi, this is Chris D'Souza Costa, and welcome to another rendition of the Quaff Roundtable Podcast, Season 2. This podcast features Quaff alumni and guests who've built successful careers in finance and explores their experiences that have ultimately landed them where they are today. Queen's University Alternative Assets Fund, or Quaff, is Canada's first student-run alternative assets fund, with over half a million dollars in assets under management. Managed exclusively by graduate students and overseen by faculty and industry professionals, the Quaff portfolio holds both public and private alternative investment strategies. Quaff is designed to provide students with hands-on experience, focused on providing exposure to the investment industry, alternative strategies, and portfolio management. Through the engagement of alumni, current members, and industry professionals, Quaff has established itself as an invaluable educational opportunity for Queen's Smith School of Business graduate students. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of professional services and should not be construed as investment or tax advice. The content is not meant to be a substitute for professional advice and users should seek the advice of an appropriate professional advisor. Quaff hosts or guests may hold positions in companies discussed. All opinions and outlooks expressed by any and all of the podcast hosts and featured guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect that of Quaff, Queens, employers, or related parties. On this special episode of the Quaff Roundtable podcast, Quaff Chief of Staff Krista Souza Costa sits down with current Quaff CEO Bilal Omukanye and current Quaff CIO Jason Powell. Bilal works as a capability manager for a major Canadian bank and is currently the 2023 cohort class president of the Master of Financial Innovation and Technology program at the Smith School of Business at Queen's University. Bilal joined Quaff in November of 2021 as an operations analyst and quickly ascended to a leadership role as a chief of staff for a full management term before taking the CEO role in May of 2022. Before the MFIT program, Bilal graduated from the University of Alberta with a BA in economics. Jason Powell is a 2023 candidate in the full-time MBA program at the Smith School of Business at Queen's University. Before the MBA, Jason completed his Bachelor of Commerce with a concentration in finance at the Telfer School of Management at the University of Ottawa. Jason has worked as a financial analyst at various Ottawa-based firms before joining Queen's and started his Quaff journey as an associate director within the investment team before moving into the chief investment officer role. In this episode, Bilal and Jason talk about their progression in Quaff from analyst to C-suite, their biggest achievements and learning opportunities, advice for incoming Smith graduate students interested in applying to Quaff, and what they hope for for the future of the fund. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Quaff Roundtable podcast. Hey, everybody. I am Chris D'Souza Costa, host of the Quaff Roundtable podcast and chief of staff. And we have an amazing episode this week. We are joined none other by our CIO, Jason Powell, and our CEO, Bilal Omokanye. Welcome, guys. Good to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Chris. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Awesome. We've been wanting to do this podcast for a long time. So usually we have uh, former Quaff members who are, are alumni who have then worked in industry, and we invite them to come back and share their experiences. But I believe this is the first time we've had current uh, Quaff members, and not only that, but uh, current management members. So this is a really special episode of the Quaff Roundtable podcast, and hope that everyone enjoys. So let's uh, let's jump right into it. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, who are not part of the uh, the Quaff community, but who are interested, um, can you tell us a bit about yourself? So let's start with uh, you, Jason. Can you just tell us a bit about yourself? Uh, you know where you're from, your interests, what kind of got you into Queens and and in Quaff. Sure. Uh, so I'm from Ottawa, born and raised. I never really lived outside of the city. Um, so I was attracted to Queens because I wanted to get away. I had always been interested in finance. So since uh, my third year of undergrad, I fell in love with value investing specifically. 
read every investment book I, you can think of. Um, and so I thought coming to the Queens would be a great opportunity to break into equity research. That's really what I wanted to do. And Coif, I thought, was the best opportunity to do so. Um, so I've been in Coif for about nine months now, and it's been it's been amazing. Right on. And Bilal, how about yourself? Give us the, the quick rundown. Yeah, so I'm actually from out west myself, uh, Calgary to be specific. I moved out to Toronto to pursue my uh, own professional uh, experience in the finance world, working as a financial advisor. Uh, I started in the Masters of Financial Innovation Technology program at Smith School of Business. And one of the first things we got introduced to was the co-op community and that definitely piqued my interest with seeing such uh, you know very well established uh, individuals within industry all coming together to uh, be in this group and, and sort of improve on their fin finance skills as well as their leadership skills and that's really what what drew me to co-op is just you know being part of such a, an esteemed group of individuals tapping into that network uh, and and also to improve on my own leadership skills, which I've I've definitely seen as as being part of Coif and now as a uh, as CEO of, of the organization. Um, but yeah, overall, it's been it's been quite a phenomenal experience for sure. Right on. And you mentioned uh, you're part of Bilal, You're part of the Masters of uh, Financial Innovation and Technology. Uh, I know Jason. You know we're uh, we're colleagues in the full time MBA, and that's a you know pretty standard program. But Bilal, can you maybe just Touch a little bit on uh, the MFIT program for those uh, who don't, who may not know what it's about. Awesome, yeah, I can definitely give you the the pitch as I, I do this as well as president of the MFIT program. Uh, so think of it like data science and finance, and it's sort of the 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 merger between the two and that that sort of um, overlapping space. And what we it really tries to focus on is understanding you know what are the current trends within the industry uh ways that the industry is changing and how to be on the helm as a as a digital leader within the financial organization uh either as a disruptor or within an incumbent uh so i'm more on the latter end uh, looking to be an entrepreneur within my current firm and that's why i took off I took on the degree so uh yeah it's been it's been phenomenal and there's a lot to learn uh, coding wasn't the first uh, thing that I would say that I would I have ever been into, but ever since you know getting more comfortable with R and Python, it, it's definitely uh, had a lot opened a lot of doors for sure. That's awesome. And uh, for the audience, I don't know if you heard that that quick flex, but Bilal is the president of the MFIT cohort for 2023. So uh, congratulations on that as well. Definitely a leader uh, amongst uh, Smith students here. Um, Jason, let's let's turn it back to you. So, I mean, you you chose Queens as uh, a school that you wanted to pursue your your MBA in. Uh, what made you want to apply to Queens uh, and ultimately decide on uh, going to Queens as opposed to maybe another school that you apply to? Sure. So it it goes back to uh, one of my best friends, someone I grew up with, we went to high school together. Uh, he pursued the MBA program, and he got into the CIBC. Uh, leadership development program and so I was like wow that's a really great opportunity like the, the MBA program must be something special and as I start to dig into it more I start to really see the benefits of the team-based leadership program um, and then obviously as someone who is into investing I, I thought Coif would be a great uh, addition to uh, the education that I'd be getting so uh, when I went to, to University of Ottawa um I worked most of the time, so I wasn't really able to do any extracurriculars. And so going to Queens, I really was focused on extracurriculars and what value that would bring to my background. And so between the, ref the reference from my friend and uh, just all the other things that come with being a Qu uh, Queens student, I, it was a no-brainer. Right on. So, Jason, so you went to U Ottawa for your undergrad. And Bilal, how about yourself? Where did you go for undergrad and uh, what did you study there? Yeah, I actually went to the University of Alberta. So it's located in Edmonton. And so my alma mater is a little bit different. I didn't actually get a lot of exposure to what the uh, institutions were like out east. 
but I had heard of Queens and a lot of uh, my alma mater did end up moving out east. Um, personally, for Queens, what attracted me was they were always looking for the business application uh, of, you know, anything that you're studying. It was less theoretical and more uh, what is the actual end result? How can we apply this in a business setting? And it seemed like a very practical degree and exactly in line with what I wanted to do uh, within my current firm. Uh, so um, for, for context, I, after being a financial advisor, moved more into uh, the team leadership and team management. So I actually lead a group of about over a dozen uh, new hires as a, a team manager for investment representatives and uh, take them through the licensing as well as the onboarding program. And uh, one thing I wanted to sort of shift more into is to be a digital leader. Uh, there's so much going on in, in, you know, the financial industry as a whole, especially in the banking sector and these being, you know, huge warehouses for data, uh, ways that we're applying that to our end user uh, was something that was really fascinating to me. And, and Queens, you know, had this very unique program. The MFIT program is the first of its kind that provides a full graduate degree as opposed to like a certificate. And, um, you know, hearing some of the people that were speaking and, and sort of looking at the board uh, directors, there were a lot of industry leaders and, and I definitely wanted to be, uh, you know, get to learn from them and, and, and really build my skill set in that regard. Right on. I mean, so, you know, we all come from, and I went to York for my undergrad, so none of us went to Queens for undergrad. Uh, and I don't know about you guys, but I've definitely noticed that Queens has that community aspect that a lot of other uh, post-secondary uh, institutions, you know, don't have. I mean, particularly from my experience, I went to York, it's known as a, a commuter school. You know, people from all around the GTA, they, they drive in, do their class, they drive out. There's not that sense of uh, community and uh, camaraderie. Uh, but maybe can you guys talk about, you know, in that context and relate, and how it relates to Queens. I mean, Queens is huge on uh, on school spirit and, you know, and kind of like this big Queens family. Uh, and it speaks to our alumni network as well, not just within Queens and Smith School of Business, but for Quaff as well. So you talk about how important that community aspect is to you in regards to Queens, Smith and Quaff. And uh, maybe Jason, uh, we'll start with you. Yeah, so I going to U Ottawa it was a commuter school as well. I lived in this neighborhood uh, called Sandy Hill. Uh, my my dad bought a house there, so it was right near school. So I got a little bit of that that community feel living right near school, where all of the students from out of town live. Um, but when you come to Queens, you can feel it. It's like it's what this the neighborhood of Sandy Hill is in Ottawa, amplified by like twenty. And so it's it's a really great experience that way. Quaff specifically is truly a family. Um, that's probably one of the greatest benefits of being in Quaff is everyone is trying to help each other. Like it really is a great network. Um, every, and I mean, it's hiring, we're bringing like-minded individuals. So, I mean, when you do that um, and you just continue to do that over time, you just build this network that's truly incredible. And so uh, that sense of community is is you know, very prevalent at Queens and, and at Guelph. Yeah, that's awesome. And Bilal, for yourself. So J Jason and I, you know, we're in the MBA program and it's based out of Kingston. So full residence uh, program is based in Kingston. But for the MFIT, uh, primarily based in Toronto, but from what I understand, uh, you guys work remotely, you do your classes remotely over Zoom. Of course, the pandemic uh, was a big reason for that. But can you talk about that, that sense of community uh, within Queens, but based out of a, a Toronto program? Yeah, that's a great question. And it, it's something that we are slowly getting more developed as we are the second cohort. So we're actually uh, building out the alumni network uh, for the MFIT program. But more specifically, as being part of the Queens uh, Toronto community, I think we are, we've been able to definitely have a lot more in-person events and in-person connections as we've sort of, uh, you know, reduced the levels of lockdown uh, that we had during the pandemic and and now we're, we're we have a lot more in-person events i've actually been part of organizing quite a number of networking events uh, as part of the mfit speaker series uh, where we are in that in inviting industry experts uh, to speak to students the last one uh, being the digitalization of capital markets where we invited a bunch of global heads from um, another in, uh, you know bank and they were able to speak to to students and, and get a lot more connection and build that community out. 
but even over Zoom and when we were uh, having to take a lot of our classes remotely, it was great because the way that it's structured for Queens is it's a it's a group based uh, program. All the graduate program, you sort of start off with a group of individuals, some from very diverse backgrounds, and you you create uh, sort of these group norms and, and sort of a, a charter uh, for your group so you can better have something to turn to uh, if there are any issues among yourselves. And you'll, you all have to agree upon uh, what your, your group norms are going to be at the start of the program. And over time, you find that you sort of naturally fall into uh, a, a sort of, you know, a routine with your group and, and start to really bond with them. I've had the same group for the entirety of my 14 months, and we're pretty much a family at this point. Um, but even beyond that, uh, being part of the co-op community, uh, we've also started to move more into in-person events. And that's allowed me to be you know, not be siloed off into my respective graduate program, but also mean, you know, like-minded individuals within QAF who are part of the MBA program, part of the MMA, MMEI. Uh, so that's really the, the my best opportunity to meet others outside of my current program has been through the QAF uh, community and, and getting to meet, uh, to meet great individuals. Yeah, a uh, big shout out to uh, Diana Drury, uh, head of high performance teams, who, who runs uh, a big session for all the incoming cohorts of Smith graduate programs, talking about this team charter, team norms, and best practices to make sure that teams are really successful. And it's something that we mention for every cloth pitch to every incoming cohort and during interviews is that, you know, cloth is a, a team based. Uh, organization. And because we've already learned that skill set from our own individual Smith programs, there's this very natural progression. And it, it feels almost second nature when you come into co-op. It's that, yeah, you're going to be working on diverse teams, people from different backgrounds, different Smith programs, uh, and making great things happen. So big shout out uh, to the admin at Queens for uh, having such a great structure and uh, building high performing teams. Uh, I want to uh, switch gears a little bit here, you know, so we've talked a lot about why we've chosen Queens, uh, the benefits of Queens, but I want to talk about your experiences uh, within Quaff. Um, so Jason, you, you know, you started on the investment team, uh, became an associate director, and now you are the chief investment officer. Bilal, you started in the operations team as an analyst and moved into the chief of staff role, uh, and now you are the uh, CEO. Uh, so Jason, maybe we can start with you. Can you just talk a bit about your progression within Quaff? Like, you know, why did you choose the investment team rather than, let's say, strategy or risk? And then can you talk a bit about your progression through the ranks and maybe give some advice to, uh, you know, a, an analyst who just started or who's looking to start with Quaff and kind of what the journey is like to a leadership position. Sure. Um, so for me, I uh, started out as the associate director. I initially wanted to be an analyst on the thematic team. Um, the reason being is that I'm very interested in bottom-up single security investment. As I mentioned earlier, very passionate about value investing. However, the prior CIO, uh, Midas Sheikh, he offered me the associate director position, being like, listen, you can work directly with me. I thought this would be a better way to progress through Coif and Ideally, I wanted to make an impact on the organization um, by the time I had completed my term. And so I thought this was the best way to do so. Um, and then um, taking on the CIO role, uh, obviously I can now make a difference in Guelph as I wanted to in the very beginning. Um, and so that, that was basically my early experience. And so I essentially spent most of my time in Guelph though, working on thematic baskets. Um, as the associate director, my focus was on thematic and real estate. Um, we did a few real estate pitches, um, but more so on the thematic side because we have such uh, a large uh, allocation uh, for money towards that um, segment of the portfolio. And so we've worked on food, a food basket, leisure basket, um, and now most recently e-commerce and digital marketing. So those have essentially been all the projects I've worked on uh, in Coif, it's been a lot of fun uh, working with lots of different individuals. Um, because there's so many different programs that are part of Coif, you get to meet so many different people and work with people of various backgrounds. Um, 
even though we do that in the MBA program, it, it's even more so in qualf because people have different ways of thinking. You know, if someone's in a database program, they're probably a little bit different than someone in an MBA based program. So it's it makes it for um, a very unique work setting. I love that. And Bilal, how about yourself coming from a from an operations analyst now to the uh, the top dog uh, at Quaff? You talked about a bit about that journey. Absolutely. So when I first started with Quaff, I did start in the ops team and I would uh, strongly encourage anyone who maybe doesn't have a traditional finance background and is interested in improving their skills to definitely consider the operations team because you essentially become the person that manage the people, manages the people that manage the money. And I thought that that was something that really interested me because you sort of are the, are the face of the institution. You're making the you know industry relations. You're building out our uh, different programs, such as uh, the all general meeting that happens annually. You also organize uh, our career fairs. So you do a lot more networking as part of the operations team. And, you know, at the time I was, uh, working uh, really closely with um, uh, one of the, the chief operations officer. And, you know, they were very encouraging uh, as well as Alex. Alex is, was very a pivotal and played a very crucial role in uh, my experiences as ops and even giving me the confidence uh, to take the next step. Uh, so actually during that time, I was encouraged to take on the chief of staff role. Uh, and that was a few months into my role as, a, as an operations analyst. And this was because they, they needed somebody to be able, who had the capacity to run uh, not only in their respective role, but also the interviews for uh, in the, in, uh, potential candidates for uh, the various roles within QAF. And at the time I was really considering, uh, it took a little bit of thinking to really consider whether I have the capacity to do so as I am working full time. And then I would, you know, volunteering my time in co-op, but then also needing to run all the uh, different um, interviews with, with all the, all the respective uh, openings that we had. And so, but because of the encouragement that I got from the chief operations officer, as well as, as Alex, who's sort of uh, the, the wise, uh, uh, alumni of, of Quaff that, that has always been, uh, you know, sort of a helping hand and a guide for for all of us. Um, I was I was confident in taking on that that chief of staff role. Uh, now the chief of staff role was unique in that you're you get to meet every single person that is considering Quaff, and you start to see hiring from a different perspective and being on the other side uh, of the table, if you will, on seeing, you know, what are the certain characteristics that would potentially indicate whether somebody is going to be an active member and an active participant, not just in the first few months, but, you know, for the longevity of their tenure within Quaff. And, you know, part of that was sitting in on the interviews uh, for the investment team or the strategy or the risk team and uh, really, you know, seeing what the questions were being asked and how people would answer them and sort of what considerations were made after the fact when we would debrief on whether uh, this was the ideal candidate for COF. Um, and it allowed me to very quickly know everyone that was successful. So all of the successful candidates, I had a bit of an input with. And uh, funnily enough, when I uh, took on the role of CEO, a lot of the individuals that I had, uh, you know, selected during the interview process to end with, within Quaff to enter Quaff, um, I was also later uh, able to get them on my uh, as my management team and and be you know working with me uh, in you know the in the CEO capacity. Uh, so one thing I would encourage anyone if you have the opportunity to take on a new challenge. Um, it is possible, even if you're working full time um, and have other responsibilities, um, you'll really get as much out of Quaff as you put in. And it's been, you know, a phenomenal journey. It's been tough at times. There are some some weeks that you'll have to put in, you know, up to 10, 12 hours. But, you know, beyond that, you, you will really reap the benefits because I've been able to really expand my network uh, by taking on uh, more of these uh, leadership positions. Yeah. Uh, and again, big shout out to Alex, uh, Alex Bam, former CEO of Quaff, 
and, uh, and a huge mentor uh, to all of us on the management team, as well as uh, all of our analysts and directors. Um, you know, you both made a, made a mention of, uh, you know, mentors or uh, man, man, people who are within management while you guys were analysts or, or associate directors and, you know, how much that plays a, a part in, you know, deciding, do I want to take on a leadership role? And maybe there's, uh, you know, having someone that says, hey, they believe in you and your skill set to make you think, okay, you know, I can actually do this. Uh, can you guys maybe just talk a bit about, maybe Jason, we'll start with you, just the importance of having a, a mentor or a sponsor who's there to vouch for you. And, you know, it doesn't have to be in the cloth context. Uh, it could be, you know, professionally or just in your personal life, but how important are mentors uh, in your personal development and growth? Definitely. I think it, I think they're huge. Um, I'm part of the Qualf mentorship program. So I, I have a mentor from a, a prior, uh, uh, from an alumni uh, for, from someone who's in Qualf. And so I think it's hugely important. Um, I've had mentors in my past and, you know, they've been able to provide me with guidance on how to accelerate my career or improve my investing um, style or, you know, what, what have it. Um, but I guess early for me in Quaff, uh, Madasser was kind of a mentor to me. He brought me in. He said, you can run the thematic team how you want. Basically, um, we ha- we're holding a lot of cash. Um, and so he wanted to he wanted to get more pitches out. And so I, I was provided with the opportunity to really, you know, try to build something the way that I saw. Um, yeah, so I think it's hugely important. Yeah, I think having, uh, having someone in your corner that, gives you that freedom and that flexibility uh, to kind of, you know, spread the wings, right, so to speak, uh, and see how you can evolve and, and take things to the next level, and especially in a associate director position, right, having uh, people that report to you, uh, having analysts that report to you, and also being responsible for their growth and development. That's a huge opportunity, uh, and I'm sure it's quite satisfying um, to not only see yourself grow, but uh, others as well. And same question for you, you know, can you talk a bit about the importance of having a, a mentor or a sponsor there in your corner? Uh, you know, one, provide that guidance and give that inspiration for you to take that next step and, and to evolve. Absolutely. So I definitely have had mentors throughout my career, not just in the professional sense, but also in my academic career. And a huge mentor of mine has uh, really been Alexander Bond, uh, who was a former CEO uh, he not only was the person to encourage me to apply uh, to the various uh, CEO positions that I've taken on, uh, chief of staff and now CEO, but also just, you know, a continuous guide and has helped me navigate uh, some of the relationships with the board um, and introduced me to some some uh, very key individuals that have helped, uh, have helped me uh, be able to accomplish uh, what I've been able to in the role. And so I, I think, you know, mentorship is is really important, but even more so sponsorship. Sponsorship is, you know, what are, are is somebody else able to talk to your skill sets when you're not in the room, right? And in with, you know, individuals that you may not uh, have an opportunity to meet just yet, uh, that sponsor is going to remember you and sort of speak to your best qualities and, and you know, give that, that good light uh, on you. And I think that that's also incredibly important whenever you're noticing, you know, somebody, uh, you know, an analyst that's taking the, a few steps further, taking it, you know, taking the time to do their their job and going above and beyond uh, what their position is. It's important that you're highlighting that, especially in a management position and sponsoring those individuals so that they can be considered uh, in management positions as well. And I think uh, it's really important to do that. And I, and I try to be conscious of doing that as well. I love that. And maybe, Bilal, I'll stick with you on this next one, because this next question, oh, that answer leads perfectly into the next question I had. Um, and, you know, maybe you can talk about your, your own experience or just the uh, you observing other analysts. But can you talk about, uh, you know, either your biggest achievement as an analyst or from you observing other analysts, what the biggest learning opportunities uh, for analysts are? Absolutely. So in terms of my biggest achievement, I think was being featured on uh, our newsletter. So we have at the time where we were doing a biweekly newsletter, um, which has now moved to weekly under the uh, uh, Susan's uh, supervision, and it, which is fantastic. And so 
being featured for writing an article and having my first, uh, you know, in, investment article uh, published, that was a really a, like a highlight uh, uh, within the analyst position. Uh, and then one thing I would say, maybe opportunities for analysts is, you know, don't be don't be afraid to get out of your comfort zone. I by no means am, you know, a professional writer, but I was able to uh, put something forward that was uh, that I was proud of and I was able to get, uh, you know, good feedback on um, and, you know, just putting just taking yourself out of your comfort zone and trying something new. Uh, that was really great for me as an analyst. Um, and I think, you know, some some others that I saw around me shied away from uh, being in a, put in a position that they could potentially fail. And if you don't take those risks, you're really not going to be able to do that. If you can't take the risk in something like a student group setting, it's going to be a lot harder for you to do it out in the quote unquote real world uh, when you're, you know, there's actually a tangible uh, outcome and, and, this, and it could affect your, your career. So it's important that you're taking these opportunities to do things that are, you know, out of, outside of your comfort zone for sure. Yeah, you know, we talk about the uh, the three pillars of cloth, you know, being fun performance, professionalism, but really that education piece is so critical. Uh, and cloth really is the place where you can have opportunities to, you know, dive into the deep end, even if you don't have all the skill sets, you don't know all the processes and procedures. Uh, there's always someone there who knows the answer or knows someone who knows the answer and can help you navigate through these, uh, you know, exciting opportunities that present themselves. Uh, so definitely echo that for uh, for our analysts who are listening to this right now. Uh, you know, take that leap of faith, like go for it. Um, you know, what's what's the worst that could happen? You know, someone says, oh, maybe uh, now it's not the right you know time to to do it, but I'm excited. Maybe we can do it in the future. Um, but if you don't ask and you don't you know raise your hand, you'll never know what's possible. So always encouraging our analysts, uh, you know, to take that initiative, and it's something that. Uh, you know, the directors and management definitely uh, notice. Uh, and Jason, may I flip the same same thing to you? You know, uh, you started in as an associate director. So maybe you're one of your biggest achievements as associate director and or as CIO. And then uh, maybe, you know, something that, uh, you know, an investment analyst uh, could do to, you know, take, the, take their game to the next level. Sure. So I think the biggest achievement, and I can't take full credit for this because Josh, Tam, and I worked very hard on this, but we developed a full-on training program for the thematic analysts. So it's a three-part video series diving into three various areas of investment. Um, you know, one more focused on pitching, one more focused on how to analyze an investment and, you know, how we're going to screen for securities to build baskets. And then um, another just on various things about financial markets, more general knowledge, you know, risks for companies. Um, so the fact that people can go back and watch those videos, I think for me is, is a huge accomplishment. I always wanted to leave a mark and I think that's probably the, the one that'll stick out. Um, and so I, the, the thing that I've learned the most from, from Quaff, and I think the thing that most people can learn from Quaff is just like being able to show initiative. Like the more initiative you show, like the more benefit you're going to get from it. And like, not only for yourself, but for the organization. Like when we did this thematic training, like we were like, this is great. Like people are going to learn a lot, but we didn't actually think we were going to get anything out of, out of it for ourselves. But we did, we got a ton. The analysts were much better educated on the process. The pitches are super clean. And we have people in Quaff that have been in Quaff for, you know, six to eight months now. They're on their third or fourth pitch. Like it's beautiful. It's, it's, a, it's a thing of beauty when, we're putting these pitches out at this stage because people are just so experienced. And so, um, yeah, really just seeing those analysts grow and, you know, people putting in initiative, I think is, is what I've gotten the biggest takeaway for myself and the people that put in more initiative, I, I see the takeaways that they get from it. For sure. I mean, you know, for myself, I've been uh, part of cloth since February of this year, you know, and, and being at the all hands meetings and seeing the investment team do their various pitches and we had the uh, we had uh, you and and your analyst do a pitch a few weeks ago, and it was it was very well done. It was a professional pitch. The deck was outstanding. It was like to the point. You got the main message out of it. Everything was clearly articulated. 
so I think, you know, that speaks a lot to the work that you, know, you and your colleagues have done to educate analysts and have those resources there. And you, you talk about, you know, kind of what do you get out of it as, you know, the creator or collaborator of these types of training programs. It's, you know, something that you can take to the industry and be like, well, hey, look, not only do I have the skill sets to, you know, do the analysis and, and make those recommendations, but I can help others as well, you know, and, and belong for yourself and what you do professionally, uh, educating your uh, your colleagues, you know, uh, towards financial literacy or having given them the the tools and, um, you know, the toolkit, so to speak, to be successful in their roles. So, you know, for those listening, it's, it's you know, it's giving it back, giving back, right, and, you know, paying it forward to the next uh, next group of incoming um, analysts. Um, to, to your yeah. point, um, like the pitches have been getting better, but I think the real goal with this is, you know, that the, the next generation, like, can they build on what we created? And like the pitches will be even better than what we're doing right now. And I think that's, that'll be the real achievement for me anyways. It's like, if the next group is like topping what we were doing, it's like, that's when, you know, you built a really strong foundation for the organization. I think we do have some people that are capable of that. And I think we'll probably see that in the future. And I, I look forward to it. Yeah. You know, you talk about, uh, you know, that legacy piece, right. It's always about, you know, leaving a, an organization or a place better than how you found it so that, you know, the next group can, can benefit and take it even, even higher to the next level. Uh, so, so great to see that, that forward vision uh, from both of you in, you know, in these leadership positions. Uh, and Jason, maybe I'll, I'll stick with you, and maybe this is more of a, a broader, uh, you know, uh, question. But you know, in the markets, you know, it's pretty wild out there. Um, rates are rates are ridiculous. Cost of borrowing, inflation, um, you know, issues of supply chain, of course, uh, the war in Ukraine. Uh, can you talk a bit about, you know, with all of this going on, you know, what opportunities are there in the market? Uh, that Quaff could see, uh, you know, could take advantage of, uh, you know, to improve their holdings and uh, and position. The the one theme that we're seeing pretty broadly right now is a broad undervaluation in the technology sector, specifically with companies that are generating high amounts of free cash flow. And so these companies have, in my opinion, um, been beaten down too much. There is concern that rates are going up and this is going to affect growth stocks. However, some of these so-called so growth stocks are trading the same multiples as value stocks. However, their historical growth and, and forward growth to an extent is likely to be double that of value stocks. So I think we see huge opportunities there. Um, I mean, our latest basket was Google, Facebook, and Etsy. So it gives an idea of where we see some of the opportunity. Um, there, I think there's opportunity in oil as well. Um, that's something uh, the thematic team is digging into um, just based on the fact that they're trading at such low multiples relative to the broader market. Um, so if some companies trading at just as an example, 20% free cash flow yield, which is not unheard of in the space. Um, and the S and P is trading at, let's say an 8% free cash flow yield, you're getting double the amount of uh, return from the company in terms of cash. So, just looking at opportunities like that um, and seeing if there is uh, the the opportunity for investment. Um, so those would be the two spaces that we're really keen on right now. Yeah, I love that you're you know you're taking that that initiative to really see where the opportunities lie, particularly in, at a time right now where you know I think there may be a lot of hesitation because of of where things are uh, thing where things are at uh, globally for that matter, but. You know, if we kind of look over the years and over the decades, like these things tend to get to happen in cycles and, you know, to learn from the past to see how we can make intelligent decisions about the future is really important. Yeah. And if you look at some of the tech stocks as well, these are some of the most dominant businesses that have ever existed, right? Like if you think of Google, like how could anyone ever replace Google? It would just cost billions and billions of dollars to unseed that search engine. So these are dominant businesses, some of them. And if you're selective, I think there's a lot of opportunity for these companies as Buffett would put it with, with wide moats. Yes, I love that. Um, I'm just looking at the time here. So I wanted to just ask um, two really important questions as it relates to Quaff. And then we're gonna move into what I like to call the fun part, which is the rapid fire. Um, 
So I got I got two two ones here, and I'm going to start with Bilal on this one. Um, you know, it's September, the start of a lot of new cohorts. The next uh, full time MBA intake they're coming in in January. Uh, so, what advice can you give uh, to an incoming student uh, who may be interested in joining Quahoff? That's a great question, and I think it's something that a lot of students, you know, subconsciously consider whenever they're, you know, about to take on uh, really the mantle of Quahoff is that do I have the capacity to do this? You know, will I be able to bring my best foot forward in this position? And I really want to encourage each and every person, definitely look at what your current commitments are. But then I think that each person has the ability to push themselves. And when you do, that's when great things happen. You know, for myself, I was doing a full-time program and then also full-time work. Uh, and then I was considering QAF as well. And really, I, I just thought, you know, what will I be missing out on if I didn't take that that plunge, right? And if I didn't put myself out there and really challenge myself uh, with all of these, you know, uh, I, I call it a little bit of plate spinning. Uh, you, you know, you have to keep things spinning and, and keep them going. And it's a bit of a balancing act, but I've come out on the other side and I'm so much better for it. Uh, and I want to tell you right now that you can do the same. It is absolutely possible to take this on uh, because Quaff will provide you the resources necessary, and not only in terms of uh, what's already established in our systems and uh, some of the um, you know things like uh, Jason's um, uh, 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 video lessons uh, that he's that he's done, and you know all of the alumni and the network that we have available. But there's a lot of things and resources that will help you uh, be able to accomplish great things within Quaff, and I think that's important for you to know that you're not going to be alone. Uh, you are you have the support of your your you know CEOs as well as your uh, colleagues to help you accomplish great things in Quaff. And you know I'll, I've said it before, but I'll say it again: you will get as much as you put in to quaff. So you will get out as much as you put in. And um, really it, it's something that I would encourage everyone uh, to join because it, it is a phenomenal uh, uh, organization. Yeah, and, you know, we talked about earlier about uh, Smith and, and all of our programs and quaff being team-based. Uh, and it's, it's having that confidence to rely on your teammates, knowing that they may have to rely on you at some point. You know, we all have things various things going on, whether it's academics, uh, professional life, you know, family life at home, uh, but we're all here for one another. And that's really important. Uh, and I definitely feel that uh, cloth is, a, you know, an organization where that definitely comes to light, that uh, you help each other out. Uh, maybe Jason, the same for you, you know, any advice that you'd give for someone who may be interested specifically uh, in the investment team? Yeah, I, I'll echo what Bilal said. Um, you get out what you put in. If you are dedicated and you are a go-getter and you have motivation to do research on your own time, like Quaff is the perfect organization for you. I mean, it's it's volunteer, so no one's paid to do this. And so if you have the motivation to, to put forth ideas, to be part of pitches, not only are you going to get a lot in terms of education, but you're going to get a lot of exposure in terms of the network that Quaff has around it. So just to give an example, we have a stock pitch um, where teams are made at random and then we have judges come in that are Quaff alum. And so you get put in front of these judges. And so, you know what, maybe a judge likes your pitch, for instance, and you you network with them, you have a coffee chat and something, you know, maybe they, maybe you get a job offer that way. Like, so I've heard like things do happen in these ways, like where members are very involved and they get, um, you know, put in opportunities like Bilal and I went to a barbecue with one of the board members. I mean, like that's only a handful of Quaff members got to do that. And it was a great opportunity to, you know, talk to Peter and get to know him more. And so like Paul said, you, you get out what you put in. Exactly. You know, as, um, as Alex Van uh, famously says, um, Quaff is your major and whatever program you're in is your minor. So there you go. 
Uh, last one before we hit the rapid fire up. Um, you know, we talked about legacy, leaving Quaff better uh, than how we found it. So uh, I'll start with you, Jason, and it'll be the same for you, Bilal. But uh, what do you hope for the future of Quaff? Once we're done, we have graduated, we're alumni. What do you hope for the future of the organization? My goal is, I guess I kind of echoed it earlier, but is to like come back in six months, drop by for a thematic pitch one day or, or any pitch for that matter, but thematic specifically because I spent so much time building up the framework and they do a better job than the job we did. Um, I think that just kind of means that like the mentorship process and the transfer of information was successful. And I mean, it wouldn't just be my success. Like Josh Tam had a huge part in this. And I think we'd probably both be both be, be very excited to see that. Right on. And Bilal, how about yourself? The future for Quaff as a CEO. I think Quaff's future is very bright because we have such an amazing, we attract such an amazing pool of talent. And I think we'll continue to do so. So part of that legacy is ensuring that we continue to select the right people with some of the things we've put forward, including our SLA uh, and the, the way in which we, we do a lot of our recruiting. Uh, so we really want to continue to attract the best people. And I hope the next group of leaders are going to be, you know, heavy hitters in terms of their leadership, uh, their skill sets and their vision. Uh, and so, you know, succession is huge part of my mandate. And I hope that we can select a, a phenomenal group of leaders to even do a better job than we did. Uh, and that would be the, the legacy I hope to leave behind. Awesome. I love I love both your answers. All right. We can take a quick break from the serious questions, and we're gonna have a little bit of fun now with our rapid fire. Uh, so I've got 12 questions. We're gonna go back and forth. So you'll you'll get six each. Um, we try to do these within like 60 to 120 seconds and never ends up working that way. But you know, first kind of thought that comes to mind, just let it out uh, and we'll have some fun with this. Sound good? All right, Jason, we're starting, with, we're starting with you, Jason. So uh, no pressure uh, taking the first one. Uh, you may have already answered this a little bit, but let's get in the, in the rapid fire section. Uh, company or sector that you're really interested in right now? Technology. Why? Uh, free cash flow uh, is higher than it's been for years. Uh, very strong businesses, as I mentioned, wide mode stocks. Uh, yeah, it's just, I think it's a great space to be in. Cash is king, baby. Yeah. Bilal, you're on a deserted island. You only can bring three items. What are they? I would bring my old school iPod that has all my songs from you know, junior <laughs> high school downloaded on them because uh, I need that company. Uh, and then I would also bring my pocket knife. I used to be a scout and I have this handy dandy pocket knife that I've had for many, many years and it's been very useful. It's a big one. Uh, and lastly, I think I would bring some sort of blanket because I think warmth is important uh, if you're on a deserted island, especially at night. Uh, so those would be the three. Thank goodness you didn't say uh, Wi-Fi coverage across the island. <laughs> <laughs> Jason. <thought> about it. <laughs> Jason, if you could do the MBA program over again, is there a course or an extracurricular activity that you didn't do in your MBA that you wish you had done? And if you could go back and do it all over, what would it be? I think going on one of those sailing trips with Fit to Lead would have been pretty cool. Uh, I didn't get to do that. And I'm envious of the, of the people that did. Um, I have a few people in the class that are friends of mine and they, they got to do it a few times. I'm pretty jealous. Shout out to Shane uh, from Fit to Lead for uh, all of our Smith graduate programs. Uh, Bilal, what's more important, EQ or IQ? Why? That's a tough one. I would lean more towards EQ. I think IQ is important. And, you know, ideally you'd have both. But EQ would allow you to create, because as we are social animals, it would allow you to be able to empathize with individuals and work with individuals that are smarter than you are and uh, get the, the job done. And I think that's really important to have. Uh, but yeah, I would lean more towards EQ for sure. Jason, if you can only eat one more meal, the zombie apocalypse is upon us, but they've allowed you for your final meal. What is it going to be? All you can eat buffet. 
Yes, the best. And then I just never get up. <laughs> Bilal, biggest pet peeve. Oh, okay. So this would be I I dislike complainers. I don't like people that complain and don't have anything or any recommendation on, in order to fix the problem. That's my biggest pet peeve. If you're going to complain, you better come with an alternative uh, because I'm not about just complaining for the com sake of complaining. It's all about being solutions oriented. Uh, Jason, skill set that you think is underrated but highly valuable. Ooh, Hard skill or soft skill, doesn't that's matter. I think humility would be one. Like, I think people that are generally humble are more aware of their surroundings. They have um, better emotional control. I think there's a lot of things that come with humility that are undervalued. Probably a better sense of awareness of, you know, how you act and how you make other people feel. Um, I think humility can go a long way. And I think if you look at a lot of successful people, they show humility. Buffett, to name one. Right on. Bilal, favorite finance movie? Mm, this is a tough one. If I had to say, I would say it would be The Big Short because I've always been a fan of Steve Carell. And him as uh, Mark Baum was hilarious. I think he really fit that character. And this was right, right off the tail end of after he completed The Office and watching him in a more serious role as uh, sort of the whistleblower for the 2008 financial crisis. Uh, that was that was interesting to see him in that light. And it was also pretty hilarious. There was a lot of, uh, you know, stops and breaking of the fourth wall where they would explain these, you know, very, uh, you know, tough, complex financial concepts and break it down in, in simple words. So it was really great. They did a really good job of that. Uh, Jason, academic achievement you're most proud of? Ooh. Uh, I guess I won the NBA uh, stock pitch competition uh, by like 45% return. So I'm pretty proud of that. I, I like winning, but winning by a lot is, is kind of cool, I guess. Just crush the competition. Yeah. And last I was, one, I was the only one that went short. Everyone else went long. There you go. <laughs> Bilal, last one to, uh, to finish this off. You're going to be done the MFIT program soon. Your tenure as CEO at Quaff will be up in a, in a few weeks. So you're moving on to the next phase of life. Where are you going for vacation next? I think I'm going to go to Santorini. I think that's going to be, that seems to be the, the where all uh, arrows are pointing right now. I would love to see those white sand beaches and those beautiful uh, blue rooftops. So I think I'm, I'm headed to Santorini after this. Right on. And with that, it's 4.59. PM. We have one minute until our management meeting. And with that, I'd like to thank Jason and Bilal for joining me on today of the Quaff Roundtable podcast. Pleasure chatting with both of you, getting your insights and letting our audience know, you know what, it, what it takes to be successful in Quaff and what you hope uh, for the future of the organization. So really appreciate both of you guys uh, joining me today and having this chat. Pleasure being here. Great being here. Right on. And with that, we'll wrap it up. We'll see you for the next episode of the Quaff Roundtable podcast. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Quaff Roundtable podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcast. For more information on Quaff, please visit our website at www.smithquaff.com and follow us on LinkedIn. Until next time, be well and invest with intent.